Every week, a lot happens in Parliament. Debates rage, bills are discussed, and laws are introduced. So it's easy to feel like you don't quite know what's going on in the chamber. So we're lifting the lid and telling you exactly what happened this week in Parliament. This week we saw a Westminster Hall debate on the coronavirus vaccine, a Brexit defeat for the government in the Lords, and controversy over who's allowed to attend debates. The first debate we're going to discuss today was a Westminster Hall debate on the coronavirus vaccine. While some debates focus on trying to persuade the government to do more of a certain topic, such as the Rohingya humanitarian crisis we discussed last week, not all of them have a specific aim or are pushing the government to commit to a particular action. This was the case in this debate. The specific question posited was that this house has considered a coronavirus vaccine. The debate opened with an explanation of the benefits of the vaccine being discussed. There must be a balance in this argument between COVID-19 and the risk to the 194 people who were killed by it yesterday. That's eight people every hour. And this virus has killed over 49,000 people in this country alone. There is untold damage to people's well-being and mental health, livelihoods and the economy. Unemployment is rising and small businesses are closing. Social isolation inflicts vast damage, particularly on the old and the poor. But if you're vaccinated, the likelihood of dying from this disease is significantly reduced. It could prevent people from passing the disease on, often unknowingly, to those they love. The World Economic Forum gauges global coronavirus cost at least $8 trillion to possibly as much as $16 trillion, And this is only increasing. There is a way out. And I hope the government in this country and governments abroad, the manufacturers, scientists, medical professionals and regulators will work together to strive for a final resolution and a better way of addressing the threat of viruses in the future. The debate then progressed onto a discussion about the fact that the vaccine is not to protect you necessarily, but to protect others. I want to ensure that my health is not just about me, it's about you. It's about the shadow, it's about the minister, but all the honourable members, it's every one of my constituents. My duty, I feel, is for everyone else, uh, and, and that's what we should be doing. One of the points actually seriously debated here was the speeding up of regulatory approval in order to make the vaccine available quicker. This could theoretically save more lives, owing to fewer people being infected. However, one MP had reservations about this. Uh, the desire to rush through or to suspend usual licensing rules would have a consequence. They have been developed for very important reasons and the consequences of that uh, matter. And just like the caution over uh, announcing a lockdown, I would urge caution on taking any liberties uh, uh, with the phasing of clinical trials. Because the MP who originally made this point clarified his opinion, making clear that he was not in favour of speeding up regulatory approval if safety is being compromised. Uh, I hoped I'd been clearer that I wasn't calling for a curtailment of any of the safety steps. However, with eight people dying every hour, delay has consequences too. What is not acceptable is that the standards for safety in the UK may be slightly different from the standards around the rest of the world. And what I was asking for was a coming together so that we can have that agreed consensus on safety. While these views are now on the record, it doesn't necessarily mean that the government is committed to any of these actions. It was simply a debate in Westminster Hall. 
It was not on government policy, nor was it an attempt to change it. Exactly how the government will distribute the vaccine, and whether they'll make any adjustments to the regulatory approval, is still yet to be seen. If you are interested in vaccine distribution, the EU have published a full plan explaining how they're going to get vaccines distributed equitably across all 27 member states, and we made a video explaining their plans. The link to that's in the description. Before we move on, if you haven't already, consider subscribing to the TLDR Daily channel. It's here that we release This Week in Parliament and our daily briefings. So if you're already subscribed to other TLDR channels but not this one, consider subscribing here too. Thanks for your support. The second story in this week's episode once again focuses on the government's internal market bill. In our first episode of This Week in Parliament last month, we told you about how the Lords had voted overwhelmingly in favour of a motion of regret for the bill, because of the way it could potentially lead to a violation of international law. Anyway, as explained then, this motion of regret is more of just a statement than a tool that holds any actual power. But earlier this week, the House of Lords did finally get to vote on the bill. A lengthy debate was had, and at the end, Piers struck down the offending clause, Clause 42, with a resounding 433 to 165 result. Former Tory leader Lord Michael Howard lamented the situation that his party was currently creating. I voted and campaigned for Brexit, and I do not for one moment regret or resile from that vote. But I want the independent sovereign state that I voted for to be a country which holds its head up high in the world, that keeps its word, that upholds the rule of law, and that honours its treaty obligations. I want it to be an independent country which truly is a beacon unto the nations. And I am dismayed that the government, the government which I have supported for so long and which I have very, very rarely disagreed with and rebelled against, that that government has chosen as one of the first assertions of its newly won sovereignty to break its word, to break international law, and to renege on a treaty it signed barely a year ago. I hope your lordships will at least give the government the opportunity to think again by removing part five from the bill. Yeah. Yeah. And there were more harsh words to follow from Conservative peer Lord Cormac. For goodness sake, we're looking across the Atlantic at the moment and we are seeing how crucial it is that the leader of the free world, the greatest country in the world, is led by those who do believe in the rule of law and not just when it is convenient so to do. My lords, I deplore the fact that we are in this position. I devoutly wish we were not. But I could never support this part of this bill. I don't like much of the rest of it, but I certainly could never support this. And I believe we do have not only a unique opportunity, but a, a, a unique duty to ensure that this does not pass. We have certain powers in your Lordship's house. We are always very wary of how we exercise those powers, because the ultimate authority lies with the elected house. But this is something forced through the elected house. Unfortunately, despite the morally upright statement made by the Lords in defeating this law-breaking cause, the government has indicated that it will just simply add all the removed clause back into the bill. 
claiming that they are a safety net for the UK in case the EU's interpretation of the withdrawal agreement is unpalatable in its eyes. It's also worth remembering that this bill only exists in case a no deal happens. If a deal is agreed, it will pretty much remove the need to break international law. Our final story today concerns issues with who can attend certain debates in Parliament. The pandemic has thrown up plenty of issues in the way our legislature operates, one of which being that MPs are not able to take part in Westminster Hall debates if they're not in Westminster and only available via video link. This came to a head on Thursday when a debate was held in Westminster Hall regarding breast cancer. Tracy Crouch, Conservative MP for Chatham and Aylesford, was sadly diagnosed with the disease earlier this year. She's continued working throughout her treatment and took advantage of her chance to question the leader of the House, Jacob Rees-Mogg, in the Commons Chamber. Due to his role, Rees-Mogg is in charge of organising how MPs can participate and Crouch was critical of him and the current situation. Thank you, thank you, Mr Speaker. The Leader of the House will be aware there is a debate in Westminster Hall today on breast cancer, which because of his ruling, some of us will, with real and current life experience of the disease are disappointingly unable to participate in. Now, while I respect my right honourable friend's commitment to traditional parliamentary procedures, I'm sure if he was on the back benches and not the fine specimen of health and fitness he clearly is, he would be arguing forcefully for members to be able to contribute more often in proceedings via modern technology. Now, given that hybrid proceedings have been extended, will he please stop thinking those of us at home are shirking our duties, in fact, quite the opposite, and urgently reconsider virtual participation, even if just for general backbench and Westminster Hall debates? Leader of the House. Um, uh, Mr Speaker, may I begin by um, wishing my honourable friend well? I think the point with Westminster Hall is that that was brought back at a point at which the broadcasting facilities were already being fully utilised, so it wasn't uh, an issue then of whether we wanted to do it or not. It simply wasn't an option, and the demand to bring back Westminster Hall was great across all parts of the House. But we do have to get a balance between the needs of honourable members and the needs of the House as a whole to proceed with its business. And with debates, we do need to have the proper holding to account of ministers, which is the purpose of the debates. So it is a question of striking careful balance in these difficult times between ensuring Parliament can serve its constituents in full and making sure that members can complete their duties as safely and as effectively as possible. Labour's Barbara Keeley also says that she's been similarly unable to impart her expertise on breast cancer. Rees-Mogg defended himself in the face of this and more criticism by arguing that the relevant technological facilities were already at full capacity. Despite the challenges, hopefully a solution can be found so that members can all take part in debates as they normally could, especially when their expertise would be very welcome. If you want to be updated on what happens in Parliament next week, be sure to subscribe to this channel. Or if you prefer to listen to the weekly update, then subscribe to the Daily Briefing podcast feed where you'll find a daily summary of the week's news and every weekend, This Week in Parliament.